and welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host, JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's Professional Wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. It is myself and Kay running through the history of All Japan Women. And these episodes, we hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, K covers JD Star, various other uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010's journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW. And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley Fletcher cast. Enjoy. Man, I played that extended Jaguar Yakota theme there. Get us into Not some even on the show. All Japan, Ugh. all Japan women. You can't spell AJW without the Jaguar. And it's just the J and the Jaguar. But you're not entirely wrong. <laughs> she was on commentary at least. I mean, she we got was. that. Wrestle. We got, we got shocks, shock face. Uh, Yakota. Marine Piad, nineteen ninety-two, April twenty-fifth, from Yokohama, episode fifty-seven of the classics. Okay, I went all out. I saw the full versions of these four matches. So I only saw the full version of the one match, uh, Manami Toyota and Inoue, and I don't think it changed my thoughts even with the trimmed down one and the full one. I think the the way it was excellent. I wouldn't go five stars on it, but if I was in the context of 1992, I probably would. That's where I give it five stars. I feel like Mm. like, you have to to put your brain back to this point. I mean, it doesn't help that I think both of us watched Ice Ribbon before this. Well, it gave me an interesting context of the main event of Ice Ribbon. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But Ami Toyota was in both of them. Kind of already well spoke about that. Yeah, she was. This Marine Piad to uh, 1992, I think this is the, ah, I don't know, because the main event just didn't hit home for me. 
Oh god, no! I, I think we had this discussion in uh, DMs about that. I, I, I very much agree. I did not like the main event as much as I thought I would. But the more research you do, and kind of as you go, as we're going to go through, excuse me, excuse me, sneezy, a kazoon tight. Yes, uh, Dankeschön. As we go through the summer of 1992, uh, a lot of movement and uh, story elements are going to make a lot of sense to why they did what they did. Uh, but in the moment and the match we got, uh, it's uh, it's a bummer. Oh yeah, I, I have my thoughts on it. I mean, I think we both know the the overall plan, right? It's very just hindsight. We all know what the plan was. Uh, I guess we'll get to that when we get to that match. No, but when I mean we're talking about Bull Nakano versus Aja Kong for the three WA yeah. title in '92, and Aja I thought Kong, it was unnecessary. Yeah, I thought it was unnecessary to do it now. No, well, no, fuck it. We're talking about that main event right now. It's very important for uh, the future of the, the match was the, uh, no, I'm saying the match. No, no, no. <laughs> I thought the match itself was... Yeah, it's unnecessary. We shouldn't be talking about this right now. I'm going to do it in order, man. Uh, no, I thought uh, I thought the match was just unnecessary. It felt very much like... Uh, one, it was the weakest of their matches. I think by far, of all the Ajin Kong and Bonacana matches, this one's the bottom. So uh, It felt like a very paint-by-numbers match. They kind of just went through the spots... And none of it seemed like it had the same amount of enthusiasm. Like the crowd brawling didn't feel like the crowd brawl. We kind of getting the other stuff. We had a lot of heat behind it. Just kind of felt like they were just doing it because they had to. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Because um, there was two separate brawl occasions where both people got busted open. Aja Kong looked uh, visibly groggy or good selling, either or. Uh, but they did get busted open uh, pretty badly, and they were just doing big moves to each other. There was some botches. It got a little sloppy here and there. Uh, there was a key moment in the match, though, where Bull Nakano it, hits three of her four major moves that she's beaten all her past opponents over the, you know, 1,000-whatever days she's had this title. <laughs> I think Aja Kong is in one of those matches where she beat her with the move. Right, and Aja Kong kicks out of them all, including the Harlem Hangover, the flipping leg drop. Yes. She kicks out of the uh uh jackknife powerbomb with a with a bridge. She kicks out of the top rope leg drop that she beat her in the cage match with. Uh I believe they even like called it a knockout finish in that cage match. Yeah, they did. It was knockout finish. Yeah. And of all the moves for Bulnakano to bust out to beat Aja Kong, it's a moonsault. A la, Going back to her old days. Yeah, a la Chigusa Nagayo winning the 3WA title herself with the ugliest moonsault you'll ever see against Yukari Omori. <laughs> sure was. But the key the key moment to take away, and the, the crowd visibly reacts to this where, with people standing up, head on their hands, even Bull Nakano herself, uh, when she hits that Harlem hangover and Aja Kong kicks out, there is the the oh-shocked, how-do-I-beat-this-woman face. Because she's looking at the ref. She grabs him a little bit. She looks to the fans. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't make, like, the Shawn Michaels O-face. That thing stu- or looks at her hands like, what have I done? Uh, she doesn't oh, do any of that. look at my hands. Why can't I win? <laughs> but she looks around like an, odd, an actual shocked person. And this is kind of our first moment of Bull Nakano has weakness. And her days are officially numbered. And when you put the story of Aja Kong together, she just lost 
the god uh, the goddess titles the <laughs> <laughs> the three wa tag titles uh jungle jack is weak she is weak she just lost her title match aja kong has lost everything she can't beat Bull every time she faces her. She loses. She only won because of escaping the cage one time. Yeah, thanks to Ghetto. <laughs> yeah, well, they, yeah. It's, I get the story they're telling, and they do pay it off, we know, but they, the problem I have Are with you, it... Okay, hold on. Are you familiar with the story that happens over the summer getting into the November match? Are you familiar with how Aja Kong is built up? Because I read a lot into that uh, not so much inadvertently. I did kind of happen to come across an article uh, that kind of recounted the summer, and there's certain things that happened during the summer. Uh, have, have you looked into that in any sort of deep fashion? So I can't say entirely that I have. I do know the story going into the, the title match where she wins the belt off of Bull finally. She's like she comes in sort of off of this this hot streak being unstoppable thing, right? Yes. And a big point of that is uh getting it's getting Aja Kong to the point to make her hot again. And it's an interesting journey we're about to go through. As we're going to see the rise, this is the official rise of Aja, Aja Kong, and there's a there's some sort of old saying out there where in order to in order for the flame to rise, the ashes must first fall, and this is Aja Kong's fall uh, to really bring her back up and make her feel hot. Because let's just say she she would have won here. Because like, it, it, it it's she, she didn't seem hot going in. She just lost the tag titles. Oh, right, right. And if they're not at their peak, is it the best decision to just then go, ah, Boldacano's held this title on too long. Give it to Aja Kong. We'll put her over. I can't agree with that. Oh, so I think when we had that discussion, I said she should have won here. I, I think I should have worded that a little bit better. I think this is the kind of match setup you should have had, at least the finish portion of it, where she kicks out of the move and everything. That should have been, and I can't remember off the top of my head if they do that same spot in the they major belt. Do. Pretty sure they do. But I feel like I would have saved this match for when she finally wins it. I don't think I would have done it now. That I feel like there is other ways a good you could argument. Have gotten around it. I think when you do this now, it feels like you blew it too soon, even though we know they didn't. But in the context of the time, I think it could very much be like, oh, so I guess Ajaka can never beat Bonacana because she just had a title match the year prior where she again lost to Bonacano. Well, I mean, so to be fair, of- everyone has lost to Bonacano, so it's not it's right. not the end of the world because they have built up Bonacano as this massive, massive monster that no one can but defeat. Aja's, but Aja's the only person they've built that feels like a credible contender for the belt. Yeah, and yeah, so when yeah. you have we her got, lose got... <laughs> here again, it feels like okay, so what was she going to ever win the belt? Sort of Because when you look at it, now I get why they booked this match from a booking standpoint. This is Marine Pad. They're one of the biggest shows. You don't have anybody else as a believable challenger because you haven't built anybody to this point because you're still building the other people back behind Aja Kong. Yeah, so it kind of it kind of feels like it kind of like I said, the ashes must first fall, and their idea the was the tag title match. The tag title match should have been right here. Uh, when she was... loses the tag belts, hold on. This is where they should have done that match. Hold on. 
Oh, oops. <laughs> that was a button I shouldn't have pressed. Hold on. Bear with me here. So okay. I'm going at the tag titles. I'm going to 1992. They lost them the month prior. March, right? Uh, yeah, it was the March 20th show. I'm curious to what they drew for that. Uh, yeah, that was another, that was so that was their that was their huge Saint uh, Saint Battle Day show that they do every March. Uh, right. So I think what I so done, the tag titles done... was the big draw for that one. Uh, so her losing there and then turning around at the next big show at Russell Marine Piad. Now Marine Piad, if I'm not mistaken, is at the end of the year each year. So maybe they felt like. Now was the time, from a business perspective, uh, strictly. We're kind of separating that at the, at this point for this argument, right? Because right. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to interpret why they made the decision the way they did, and they thought that they were finally striking gold with their uh, wrestlers, with their with their uh, gaining some audience. I I think there's, and if you, uh, it was even covered in the Observer that they were starting to draw comparable numbers to kind of low-end New Japan and All Japan shows of the time. And this is in 1992, mind you. This is some good stuff that they're doing. Uh, right, they were, they're, coming back, they're coming back for their third boom final. They're coming out of the 80s where they had Crush Gals drawing massive numbers, and now they're coming back into the third boom. So right. This is. This is the start so, of it. This is right here. This is the start of it. I totally understand. Okay, we want to run another big show the next month, and... What do we? Th what kind of main event do we think we can do? Uh, I don't disagree that Aja Kong. I don't think this match should have happened. I I think I I would have done. Call me crazy because I'm gonna pull up. Uh, someone who was in. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I would have put Akira Hokuto in the spot. Yeah, Hokuto's been kind of mixing it up. Well, I think she's also working through injuries, so maybe they didn't want to put her in this main event. And maybe she was originally in this point. Maybe she was originally in this match, and she was injured, and they just had to pull an audible, and they stuck Aja Kong in there. That's very possible. I was not... I did look into that. That did cross my mind. Yeah, she is working hurt at this point. I do know that. Oh, she's working she's hurt not... all the time. Everyone's working hurt. Right, but they don't, I don't think they wanted to put her here right now, because I don't think they could have... They, they were afraid that she was going to get hurt in the middle of the match, because she's already working hurt. We're afraid of like the breaking her arm thing again and breaking her neck in the title match. I think that was very much why <laughs> they didn't do that here. So I I don't disagree with Hokuto. I know why they didn't do it. I so so here's what I would have done. So you already have big title matches on this show, right? Yeah, so they had. Instead, they had. Yeah, I mean they already had th uh, three other matches, so they could have easily just not had this match at all. Right, but I think if they wanted to, if they were dead set on having this red belt match, then I think what you do is you have they're dead set on having this Aja Kong story play out the way it did, right? Because I don't think you know, I don't think you need a red belt match. We've proven that we don't need a red belt match on every show, right? It's how the belt's booked. I think you do the IWA title match where you start crowning Manami Toyota. I think you do that at the show prior. You crown this new star in the main event, right? and then you do the tag belts for this show. I think you swap around where you put certain matches. Maybe. And I think you highlight Manami Toyota and, and Kyoko Inoue, who you've already built up both of them. Kyoko Inoue's already challenging for belts, and is already uh, Bull Nakano's partner, whereas we see her at the end of the match kind of run to her side, right? So I think mm -hmm. you could believably have that be the main event of the Saint, 
Saint Battle Show, and then you have the tag match here, and then you start the story. And you don't need her to lose the bull uh, to sort of go to the fall because she's already fallen when she loses the tag belts. It's not. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad alternative. Uh, if you feel like you need to have Bull beat her again, yeah. you could just have it in a tag match, and maybe have that be how you show. Because they're going to sow dissension between Jungle Jack. I think soon, ish, start sowing some of the dissent. Uh, they don't think they split them up right away, but they sort of like the they're frustrated with each other sort of deal. Oh no! This is the start of Jungle Jack in the mud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think. If you wanted to do it that way, you could have just had the Jungle Jack after losing the attack belts face Kyoko in a way and in bowl and then have her lose there that way, not a title match. And then you can still tell the same story. So I looked into where Akira Hokuto was. Oh, well, she was in the she was in the mend. Obviously, she was just getting her arms or neck and her back taped no, up. She was in Mexico. <laughs> Oh right! Holy she crap! She was in I Mexico forgot. with Etsuko Mita. <laughs> I completely she was on it. She was on excursion. Yeah, she was on excursion because then Bull Nakano shortly follows uh, to capture the first CMLL women's title. I completely forgot that they sent Hokuto. Did they just randomly sent her too? They didn't like have any prompt for it. Just, okay, just just no. Go, it was go right after that. Yeah, it was right after Saint Battle Day. She went to Mexico for uh, looks like almost two months. Yeah, I remember reading how random that was because I, I was kind of looking into where where Hokuto was doing, why she wasn't a champion, I, and one of the things was yeah. So around the time that they were discussing, because I remember seeing that they were discussing her being in a white belt match, weirdly enough, right? And they just said, "No, nah, I'm just going to send her to Mexico." Hmm. <laughs> it just it just it had no build up. They just said, "Yeah, you and me to just to go hang out in Mexico." Yeah, so that's why. I mean. Uh, that's why Akira Hokuto is kind of out of the question. That's why uh, Mita. But would it have been the worst idea then to put Suzuka Minami in the spot? I'm just throwing a name out there because I, I wouldn't have done so. No, I think that I think that best ship sailed. You don't. She's not credible enough to put in a main event hey, of hey, Marine just pad or anything. It's just the thought, right? right. Not, I mean, maybe it's a non-title. Maybe it's a non-title match uh, further down the card. You could have done that. Uh, it, I think I think you could have done set. that, yeah. If you're if you're if you have the tag match tag match title match as the mm-hmm. main event of Marine Pad, I think you could have done that, yeah. I just think the way I had it, I had that set up. The way I thought about how you should have set this up was a good way of highlighting Manami and Kyoko. I well, mean, they already no highlighted ma- this no matter match, what you would have to more. no matter what your scenario, you would have to switch the IWA and tag titles. They cannot be on the same show. Right, so the tag, so the IWA belt would be where the tag belts were in the main event, highlighting both Inoue and Manami, which is a like smart thing to this, do. The problem is, I don't know at this point in time that because the tag belts, <laughs> I, I think we both agree, are the second most important titles in the promotion. Yeah, uh, after the three WA title, yeah. yeah, the position yes. is important. I don't know if the IWA title would have had that factor to draw enough for that March show. Uh, that, that's that. Uh, it's an interesting perspective why this Aja Kong match maybe should not have happened, uh, especially because the match was kind of a stinker. It's kind of a bum. Yeah, it wasn't like a good. It was not. It's not their best match. It was their worst match they've had. Yeah, it, it only got three and a half in the Observer. I think. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a little high, a little fair. I mean, they did some cool shit in the match. The the brawl was kind of cool. Uh, I was so something occurred to me. I thought possibly Aja Kong got a concussion in the match. 
And that's possible. She did look a bit out of it at certain points, but I don't know if that explains the early on how bad she was, too. So I was able to confirm this was a match that they both went to the hospital afterwards, but it seemed like it was just to get all stitched up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, I know this odd call was gushing. <laughs> yeah, they were they were both pretty bad. Also on this show, uh, I, I guess that kind of goes over the main event <laughs> in full. <laughs> yeah, right. But the the point is, Bulnikano wins, maintains the title. Articles were shocked at the time, including Mr. Dave Meltzer of The Observer. Kind of goes in a shocker that Bulnikano won the match. Uh, he was taken aside. A, a so we weren't, you know, we're not the only ones kind of going, huh. Well, for full disclosure, remember a few shows, a few podcast episodes ago, I said, oh, yeah, we're getting up on April when we get the Bonacano Aja Kong match where Aja wins, because I saw the card. I didn't see the results. Oh. And in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Why would they run this and have her lose before she wins it later in, like, later on? Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure my, you weren't the only one that thought that. There was a lot of right. other people that said it of the time. It just I mean, I'm like, Marine felt Pad, weird. Aja Bull, yeah, of course she's going to, this is where she wins the belt. But I had it mistaken, because she doesn't win until way later in goddamn November. <laughs> It's a, it's much longer in the year, but I'm very excited to experience the story of Aja Kong rising up, much like how we saw Akira Hokuto kind of go through 91 uh, with a huge year. Uh, of course, she didn't win anything <laughs> to speak of. Of course. Or, no, no, no. She she completed the story with uh, the All-Pacific title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, card, uh, defeating uh, Suzuka Minami. That, that story was done. And now for 1992... Uh, not only are we going to get the rise of Aja Kong, we're going to start seeing the rise of a lot of a lot more people up the card and getting more chances. This Tommy is Toyota being the big one. This is a big generational shift. This is the second one. So the first one is after the Crush Gals retire and all those stars, uh, and that's a shift in we got to build some stuff here. And it really kind of only build one person, really. <laughs> well, that's all they could build. They tried a, a number of other people. Uh, yeah, like uh, to Nish no success. Yeah, to no success. Un it's very unfortunate. And then the you know you had uh, uh, Kira Hokuto kind of coming back from injury. Uh, they're trying but to push. They're again. trying to put. Yeah, they're trying to push the class of '87. That's they're just not ready yet. And then 1990 happens. Jungle Jack gets the big push to go against Bull, a hot program. '91 is um, Manami Toyota Away. starts to break out, but it's Kyoko Inoue and Akira Hokuto. Uh, here Hokuto bigger than, but in a way wins the Grand Prix, and now '92 is the year to finally capitalize on it all. And on a past podcast episode, I did kind of compare that formula, that formulaic rise of a roster, much to the comparison to how Stardom, uh, in about what would you say, twenty late 2018. Up until yeah. the modern era <laughs> that we're in now, how it was just a slow build of the entire roster, and then it's a time to strike when you think they're all ready to reach that next level. And kind of funny did that comparison because it did it almost Rossi did almost the exact same thing. His big ace in Neo left, popular wrestler in the company, and he built around the young ace Momo and didn't build anyone else entirely up to the same level, maybe save for Kagetsu. But then he fleshed out the rest of the rosters. So yeah, yeah, he he copied the the whole thing to the T. Yeah, the formula is there, and it's uh, it, it's a, it definitely works. And the if you look at some of these AJW results now, they 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 do shows a lot differently, obviously in the in the nineties compared to this modern era, and um, it's a much different style 
Uh, some might say no time draws, no time draws and count outs. Unagi and Tam not going to a draw in the middle of a match in like Hokkaido. Well, um, let me pull up, I don't know, some random house show here from AJW. Uh, oh, there's a 30 minute draw right there. (laughs) The very Uh, first one. Oh, wow. You're telling me this is the thing in every company? Yeah. Oh my gosh, here's another one. UWA women's tag title two out of three falls match. IW or UWA. UWA. God damn, Corkin. Okay. That's a that's a different car. Anyways, where were we? Oh yes. Let's begin with uh, the Japanese tag titles on the line. The team of Debbie Malenko and Saki Hasegawa reading <laughs> reaching their uh, arch rivals in the tag division, it seems, Takako Inoue and Mariko Yoshida with matching colorful gear. No shoulder pads. Yeah, their gear, their gear looked really bad, though. <laughs> it's like it's like sherbet orange. Still kind of stuck in the '80s there with that one. It sure was. Uh, this one was good. The big highlight win for Takako happened here. It got a four point two five in the Observer. A little high. You think so? I thought it. Yeah, the match was good, but I didn't think it was four stars good. You wouldn't Listen, go spreadsheet. Oh, Debbie Malenko tried her hardest, but she was definitely the weakest part of the match. I thought Debbie Malenko did really good in this match. She was very solid. She, she tried uh, very hard. She had good. Te- no, no, no. She had good. She had good technical moves in a in a position where it's go go go. She could have yeah, easily fallen to the wayside. She's gotten way better over the course of the last she, she, she five has, six she months. Has, but Hasegawa is definitely carrying the load of the team. Well, Saki Hasegawa is really breaking out. Yeah, she she kind of is. It's a shame it doesn't really go anywhere. All four of these people are breaking her. out. They're all kind of finding their own. Takako Inoue is the the idol wrestler. She's she's becoming extremely she's popular. She's Suzuki Light. Uh, Mariko Yoshida is finally breaking out in herself. She's she's doing a lot of power and lucha combinations. It's very different. And Saki Asagawa is just kind of carrying uh, carrying a load on her back, trying to get the Gaijin to keep up. <laughs> It's very noticeable at points where she has to almost direct traffic sometimes. But it's good. She's she's really good at like getting Debbie to understand what the next maneuver is. Because there is a right, language gap there and you have to stars. overcome That's why I wouldn't say it's four stars. I wouldn't say it's four stars because of that. I think I noticed a lot of Debbie having to be directed at times. That's okay. I think, there's a sec- I think on the, they go to the outside. I think there's a ring second that directs her. So, I, I I just can't. I think this is like a three and a half star match. Best. Look, and a quarter, man, three we've seen some, Look, we've seen some Gaijin come over to AJW, and they are rough. Uh, oh, that, we'll that. see. We'll see one soon in the future called Reggie Bennett. No, I, I mean I was thinking of Terry Powers, the power of positive thinking myself. <laughs> oh yeah, the power of positive thinking. I read. And where is she at on this journey? Okay, fun story. She comes in the summer of 92 here to AJW because LLPW, in part of that LPWA situation, uh, really wanted to bring Terry Powers in because she got that big main event win. She's powerful. She's got that like gladiator look to her. And there was like a bidding war to get uh, Terry Powers onto their shows as kind of a gaijin draw factor. Well, AJW wins out because they have money, <laughs> comparatively. Well, they're also, it's also kind of a funny point. So they see the big Gaijin that's impressive, but they're fearful of a third competition popping up. Even though they probably should have taken LOPW very seriously to begin with, but they do. I mean, they had JWP's card kind of, JWP's card already on the rise at this point. So they're afraid no. of a third so competition. The problem is JWP is working on the skeleton crew, 
and Arr. so is LLPW, but LLPW is going to start up. So that would make that would make a f- two promotions now uh, against AJW. So AJW gets Terry Powers in in the summer of '92. A random Gaijin. That's why they would bid against a random Gaijin against a company that's not really shouldn't right. be a threat to them. Oh, but no, you got to put them down before they rise, Kay. You got to you got to exactly got to dry out the water before it, uh, it uh, moisturizes the plant. No, that's not right. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that one, but yeah, whatever you said, buddy. <laughs> uh, Takako Inoue's over-the-shoulder uh, backdrop is really scary these days. It's getting higher and angular. <laughs> it sure is. She's about to kill somebody with it if she ain't careful. IWA women's title match. Kyoko Inoue, the champion, taking on Minami Toyota. This match is very famous for being a 5 Star Meltzer Classic. Uh, Toyota is an insane high flyer. She is a mad woman. This match does not stop. There's there's very few breath spots. You know, I, I almost applaud both of them for the cardio it takes to go as fast and as crisp as they were going at points. Minami does do a wacky jump on the rope and almost fall on her face moves a few times, but you know that's par for the course for Minami Toyota. There is a moment in the beginning uh, where Kyoko Inoue has Manami Toyota in a very long headlock, crank, and sleeper, and they kind of stay there a little too long for my liking. That, uh, But, and I will very preface the but, what Kyoko Inoue is doing in these holds is she's transitioning into these things I've never seen before. Yeah, that's why it didn't bother me. It was very, like... I get what she was doing. That's why I gave the butt. Did you not hear the butt? Did you hear the butt? Also, I don't think it was as long as you think it was. It was like only like a minute or two. Of that. Do, you want, it was do, you not to, do you want me to give you the time on that? I mean, sure. Go by all means, you're Mr. Time Clock Man over here. Well, maybe I don't want to give it to you anymore, Mr. Snarky Ass. Oh, maybe you didn't have it to begin you, with, hey, Mr. If you time felt, Fraud. Look, look, if you... Kay, do you think I don't time everything? I, when I, I get mean, all if, I know is you believe, I, it, you believe in KZ time, and KZ time doesn't exist. Therefore, I don't there? trust your the, time what K, judgment. What does Dragon Gate have to do with what we're talking about right now? <laughs> we're talking about time, and you believe in KZ time. Therefore, I can't get trust out of here with that. I'm talking about Kyoko in a way doing cool submissions. And look at now you've making now you're making me compliment Kyoko in a way. Where have we been? <laughs> oh, no. Where have we come? How dare I? So she's doing she's doing dragon sleepers and Mexican surfboards, but. It's not the conventional just lean back and do it. She's doing a flip over into it and then leaning back. It's very it was, wild. It was very, it was very extra. Too. It was like you didn't need to do the flip beforehand, but it looked cool anyways. Yeah, she most likely got that idea from her excursion in Mexico. And the best way I read this match described was you're watching... Uh, wrestling being innovated in front of your eyes. And that's why this match yes. got five stars. Manami Toyota's the high flyer and Kyoko Inoue is a power wrestler doing high variable technique moves. Yeah, and also with Manami, she's doing a lot of like very quick to the like she the way she sprints to the ropes and does her moves isn't like most people it's like very fast. There's a lot of speed and if only she had a little bit better balance, I think she would have hit a lot more faster. I think she does eventually get her better balance and hits these like snap, almost snap kind of planches. 
it feels like she's like very fast on her feet and nothing feels like it if you told me this match was cut was like called on the fly because how they go from move to move to move to move with very little wiggle room in between when they start getting going i believed you it feels like oh yeah i'm over here i'm doing this move now i'm over here i'm doing this move you're over here i'm doing this move didn't feel choreographed oh it definitely kind of uh, <laughs> it definitely it definitely felt like they're doing moves and reacting to the other person's moves in almost a very like, fast-paced high-speed kind of way it's kind of how i looked at it like, this is very much a template for high-speed wrestling it's it, it's a good mix and uh, i will just give you a hint Kay. watch huh? the ropes and uh over time you might you might uh you might see some tension being changed <laughs> oh really yeah, i didn't think i noticed not, that at all yeah it's not toyota's balance that's off it's the very loose ropes it would make a lot of sense because yeah. early on she didn't like she was losing her balances quickly as she was as the match went on. Shut yeah. up to his exhaustion. There is a, re- a reason why you got a lot of people uh, cranking the ropes after every single match, especially in the modern era, because there's a lot more high flyers that are going to the ropes. Uh, after let's see how long did this match go. It went 24 minutes 36 seconds of nonstop action, uh, except that little bit at the beginning that uh, I uh, loved. Uh, still, and Manami Toyota wins with the debut of the JOC. Yeah, the same JOC that earlier in our broadcast here we saw one Sakushi kick out of. Huh? Yeah, so lots of new moves being uh, invented in front of your eyes. It's a it's a marvel of a match to see in the especially in the context of 1992. It's very. It's she very... invented that move. Yeah, oh, she yeah. legit invented that move. Okay, there was like seven different moves just invented in this match on the fly. She's <laughs> like, I have an well, idea. It's, I'm going to do this. <laughs> it's it, well, it's kind of funny because I think in the modern era we started to see people say that oh, so and so invented this move and that move, and then you find out they didn't, right? But no, Monomoto legit invented this move because I don't think anyone thought, oh yeah, let's just straight jacket across the arm and fall backwards. I don't think anyone thought to do that. And it was kind of crazy that she, yeah, just, she didn't, ha- she didn't have she it in the, the idea. You notice she didn't quite have it in the electric chair. It was just kind of on her shoulder. Yeah. Didn't quite get like, Kyoko up had, all the way. Had, I don't think she's like fully affected it yet. She hasn't put it fully together yet. Can we see the same with the Japanese ocean suplex, right? We saw the first variation she ever did was when she didn't wrap the arm in the back. She wrapped both arms and tried it that way. It was, it, more like, it was more like a tiger suplex. Yeah. Yeah, whereas now we see she wraps the one arm and then just flips him over. Yeah. Good match. Go out of your way to watch it. I, I would say it was five stars in the context of time. In modern day, I don't know how I can even grade this to the modern standard. I feel like I can't do that with older matches. I have a hard time doing that. So I thought about that uh, very question. And if I take away the idea that it's a match that was filled with innovation and I just watched it with the idea of it's a match and I'm just going to plop it into 2021. Then I think I'd go like arbitrary. Let's go with arbitrary four and a half, four, seven, five. I'm still way up there, but because now we've seen a lot of these moves and we're so used to just a higher end structure rather than this call it on the fly type style. Uh, just because of the way the business has changed, the way wrestling has changed, the way the style Evolve. has changed, 
yeah, things things evolve. I I would I would definitely go a little lower because there's certain matches I've seen like this year where I'd go, oh yeah, those are better than this one. Well, yeah, we saw. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't remember if you watched a few. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we both watched the Ice Ribbon Sakushi Sakasa match. I don't know if you watched yours before or after. I watched mine before this. I watched the Ice Ribbon match before I watched the All Japan. Yeah, so we both show. we both watched it before. Yeah, and so, so it was like I was, I watched them back to back, and I got quite the like comparison in my head because a lot of things are similar, but a lot of things are way different. And it was very cool seeing the starting point of a lot of these styles and moves, and then seeing how it's been innovated and evolved after that to make it better. So right. well, I think why, why I can't rate sick. this match. It's pretty sick. I think, all right. I think why I can't rate this match is because I can't diffuse my knowledge of what this match, like what was going on in this match. I'll just pretend I, the knowledge I, doesn't exist. Can't do that. <laughs> my brain won't allow me. Oh, just don't have a big enough brain, I guess. I'm not a robot. Robots do that. All right. Let's talk about this all Pacific title match. A mid-card match? Gotcha. Bison... Co- Mid card, semi main. Yeah, it's a you know mid Kimura and uh, mid Kimura, <laughs> bro. Bison <laughs> jacked brick wall Kimura. Oh, her taking entrance on... gear, dude. Her entrance <laughs> gear, fucking warrior woman, beast woman over here. Was well, I think I had like brutal, brutal warrior bison was what well, i dubbed her brutal warrior bison well it was a preface to how toshi yamada was gonna fare in this match because this was <laughs> uh, look toshi toshi yamada was a child in the presence of bison Brickwall kimura because yamada's in her cute little gi gear she's gonna do some kicks adorable <laughs> she, of she, her. Does, she does some kicks she catches bison with a good one in the match yeah well it had little effect because bison kimura went oh get that fly off me and this was a hunt. <laughs> I love this match. Now, I can't say it's like a four star classic or anything, but in my oh, God, head, no. but in my head, it went four stars of just I love this because by it's not very often I love a, a one sided destruction beatdown because Yamato was humbled. I love this oh, yes, Bison Kimura. Was. This was not was, okay. So sometimes. Suzuki Minami falls into this problem as well sometimes, where uh, more often, <laughs> actually, but yeah, more much more often than the Bison, yes. Where where it's where it's a lot of limb work, they hang on out of the mat, uh, but Bison sometimes she just goes into this like feral instinct of she's gonna stay on her feet and whoop your limbs, she's gonna cripple your limbs, and uh, I know in like historical context that might uh, sound a little bad, and anyways, uh. But that's what that's Jesus. what she exactly did. Oh, you're gonna kick me? I'm gonna bust your kneecaps. Oh, you're gonna try to uh, aim for my head with a kick? Well, I'm just going to headbutt you back. And it was just lariats and power moves. I was very much in love with what I saw with Bison Kimura. This was great. I, I think there was one spot where I kind of went, "Oh shit!" with Yamada, where I don't remember the exact sequence, but she nails Bison with the kick that I think almost surprised Bison, like IRL, like in in real time. She got hit in the face, and she was like, "Oh, that was a little stiff." Oh, this was a Bison, this was a hard gets, match. Gets, gets, uh, Yamada gets a few good licks in her, but there was one kick in particular. I was like, "Oh, she nailed the fuck out of her." 
Bison Gamora looks more jacked and more stacked every show that we watch now. It's jacked so... and stacked. That's a way to describe her. <laughs> she's awesome. And she's beautiful on top of it. She has so much marketability and she she clearly has this like connection with the crowd because they're you can tell guys like stand on their seats and they're like they they they, they love okay watching some of these new japan shows and all japan when the big beefy dudes start chopping and slapping the shit out of each other you get to you get to see a certain body language in the crowd and certain clapping and reactions that's what they're doing with bison kimura it's she has a unique audience. I mean, I guess that would that's one way to describe her fan base. Yeah. So maybe of, it's the same fan base. Lots of like feral Grizzly. lots of feral men just wanting just wanting to see blood. I mean I would say the probably the same audience that Grizzly sort of cultivates. Oh yes, hit me harder, please. Oh, you're going in that direction. Not not in okay. All right. That's where your mind goes. You said she has an audience. I'd be like, you know, it's a specific audience, you know. Okay, all right. Shame me. Bison uh, hunted down Yamada and kept her title. (laughs) Old Pacific Champion. She she sure did. This was one of the best uh, uh, shows I've seen from AJW. I adored this show. Uh, You know, the main event, like, it it didn't hit home the way it did, but um, it did have its moments for me. But uh, the... AGW, ta- uh, I'm sorry, the Japan tag titles, the IWA, the All-Pacific, I thought they all were great. I think the IWA and All-Pacific belts more than made up for the lackluster uh, main event. Because I think that main event, like, I don't think I'd even go three stars with it. It just felt very much paint-by-numbers. That's kind of what I wrote down, and I think I even told you that. It's like okay. It felt very, very paint-by-numbers. All right. Good show. I can't wait to see uh, what the summer has in store for us. I haven't looked at what our, what the next classic entails, uh, but I'm not going to spoil myself. Doing that, I fooled myself last time yes, in thinking did. that Jakar was winning here. Yes, you did. Well, that does it for All Japan Women.